Chapter 61 through 70 of Against Celsus, Book 3 by Origen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Not to participation in mysteries, then, and to fellowship in the wisdom hidden in a mystery, which God ordained before the world to the glory of his saints, do we invite the wicked man, and the thief, and the housebreaker, and the poisoner, and the committer of sacrilege, and the plunderer of the dead, and all those others whom Celsus may enumerate in his exaggerating style, but such as these we invite to be healed. For there are, in the divinity of the word, some helps towards the cure of those who are sick, respecting which the word says, quote, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. End quote. Others, again, which to the pure in soul and body exhibit, Quote, the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets and by the appearing of our lord jesus christ which appearing end quote, is manifested to each one of those who are perfect and which enlightens the reason in the true knowledge of things but as he exaggerates the charges against us adding after his list of those vile individuals whom he has mentioned this remark quote, what other persons would a robber summon to himself by proclamation End quote. we answer such a question by saying that a robber summons around him individuals of such a character in order to make use of their villainy against the men whom they desire to slay and plunder a christian on the other hand even though he invite those whom the robber invites invites them to a very different vocation viz to bind up these wounds by his word and to apply to the soul festering amid evils the drugs obtained from the word and which are analogous to the wine and oil and plasters and other healing appliances which belong to the art of medicine in the next place throwing a slur upon the exhortation spoken and written to those who have led wicked lives and which invite them to repentance and reformation of heart he asserts that we say quote, that it was to sinners that god has been sent End quote. now this statement of his is much the same as if he were to find fault with certain persons for saying that on account of the sick who were living in a city a physician had been sent them by a very benevolent monarch God the Word was sent, indeed, as a physician to sinners, but as a teacher of divine mysteries to those who are already pure and who sin no more. But Celsus, unable to see this distinction, for he had no desire to be animated with the love of truth, remarks, quote, Why was he not sent to those who were without sin? What evil is it not to have committed sin? End quote. To which we reply, that if by those, quote, who were without sin, end quote. he means those who sin no more than our Saviour Jesus was sent even to such, but not as a physician, while if by those quote, who were without sin, end quote, he means such as have never at any time sinned, for he made no distinction in his statement, we reply that it is impossible for a man thus to be without sin. And this we say, excepting, of course, the man understood to be in Christ Jesus, who, quote, did no sin, end quote. It is with a malicious intent, indeed, that Celsus says of us that we assert that, 
quote, God will receive the unrighteous man if he humble himself on account of his wickedness, but that he will not receive the righteous man, although he look up to him, adorned with virtue from the beginning. End quote. Now we assert that it is impossible for a man to look up to God adorned with virtue from the beginning, for wickedness must necessarily first exist in man. As Paul also says, quote, When the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. End quote. Moreover, we do not teach regarding the unrighteous man that it is sufficient for him to humble himself on account of his wickedness in order to his being accepted by God, but that God will accept him if, after passing condemnation upon himself for his past conduct, he walk humbly on account of it and in a becoming manner for the time to come. After this, not understanding how it has been said that, quote, every one who exalteth himself shall be abased, end quote, nor, although taught even by Plato, that, quote, the good and virtuous man walketh humbly and orderly, end quote, and ignorant, moreover, that we give the injunction, quote, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, end quote. He says that, quote, those persons who preside properly over a trial make those individuals who bewail before them their evil deeds to cease from their piteous wailings, lest their decisions should be determined rather by compassion than by a regard to truth, whereas God does not decide in accordance with truth, but in accordance with flattery. End quote. Now what words of flattery and piteous wailing are contained in the Holy Scriptures when the sinner says in his prayers to God, quote, I have acknowledged my sin, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, end quote, etc., etc. For is he able to show that a procedure of this kind is not adapted to the conversion of sinners who humble themselves in their prayers under the hand of God, and, becoming confused by his effort to accuse us, he contradicts himself, appearing at one time to know a man without sin, and a righteous man who can look up to God adorned with virtue from the beginning, and at another time accepting our statement that there is no man altogether righteous or without sin, for, as if he admitted its truth, he remarks, Quote, this is indeed apparently true, that somehow the human race is naturally inclined to sin. End quote. In the next place, as if all men were not invited by the word, he says, quote, All men, then, without distinction, ought to be invited, since all indeed are sinners. End quote. And yet, in the preceding pages, we have pointed out the words of Jesus, quote, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. End quote. All men, therefore, laboring and being heavy laden on account of the nature of sin, are invited to the rest spoken of in the word of God. Quote, For God sent his word, and healed them, and delivered them from their destructions. End quote. But since he says, in addition to this, quote, What is this preference of sinners over others? End quote and makes other remarks of a similar nature, 
we have to reply that absolutely a sinner is not preferred before one who is not a sinner, but that sometimes a sinner who has become conscious of his own sin and for that reason comes to repentance being humbled on account of his sins is preferred before one who is accounted a lesser sinner but who does not consider himself one but exalts himself on the ground of certain good qualities which he thinks he possesses and is greatly elated on their account and this is manifest to those who are willing to peruse the gospels in a spirit of fairness by the parable of the publican who said quote, be merciful to me a sinner end quote and of the pharisee who boasted with a certain wicked self-conceit in the words quote, i thank thee that i am not as other men are extortioners unjust adulterers or even as this publican end quote for jesus subjoins to his narrative of them both the words quote, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for every one that exalteth himself shall be abased and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted End quote. we utter no blasphemy then against god neither are we guilty of falsehood when we teach that every man whoever he may be is conscious of human infirmity in comparison with the greatness of god and that we must ever ask from him who alone is able to supply our deficiencies what is wanting to our mortal nature he imagines however that we utter these exhortations for the conversion of sinners because we are able to gain over no one who is really good and righteous and therefore open our gates to the most unholy and abandoned of men but if any one will fairly observe our assemblies we can present a greater number of those who have been converted from a not very wicked life than of those who have committed the most abominable sins for naturally those who are conscious to themselves of better things desire that those promises may be true which are declared by god regarding the reward of the righteous and thus assent more readily to the statements of scripture than those do who have led very wicked lives and who are prevented by their very consciences of evil from admitting that they will be punished by the judge of all with such punishment as befits those who have sinned so greatly and as would not be inflicted by the judge of all contrary to right reason sometimes also when very abandoned men are willing to accept the doctrine of future punishment on account of the hope which is based upon repentance they are prevented from so doing by their habit of sinning being constantly dipped and as it were died in wickedness and possessing no longer the power to turn from it easily to a proper life and one regulated according to right reason and although celsus observes this he nevertheless i know not why expresses himself in the following terms quote, and yet indeed it is manifest to every one that no one by chastisement much less by merciful treatment could effect a complete change in those who are sinners both by nature and custom for to change nature is an exceedingly difficult thing but they who are without sin are partakers of a better life End quote. now here celsus appears to me to have committed a great error in refusing to those who are sinners by nature and also by habit the possibility of a complete transformation alleging that they cannot be cured even by punishment 
For it clearly appears that all men are inclined to sin by nature, and some not only by nature, but by practice, while not all men are incapable of an entire transformation. For there are found in every philosophical sect, and in the word of God, persons who are related to have undergone so great a change that they may be proposed as a model of excellence of life. Among the names of the heroic age, some mention Hercules and Ulysses, among those of later times, Socrates, and of those who have lived very recently, Musonius. Not only against us, then, did Celsus utter the calumny, when he said that, quote, it was manifest to every one that those who were given to sin by nature and habit could not by any means, even by punishments, be completely changed for the better, end quote but also against the noblest names in philosophy who have not denied that the recovery of virtue was a possible thing for men. But although he did not express his meaning with exactness, we shall, nevertheless, though giving his words a more favorable construction, convict him of unsound reasoning. For his words were, quote, those who are inclined to sin by nature and habit, no one could completely reform, even by chastisement. End quote. And his words, as we understood them, we refuted to the best of our ability. It is probable, however, that he meant to convey some such meaning as this that those who are both by nature and habit given to the commission of those sins which are committed by the most abandoned of men could not be completely transformed even by punishment, and yet this is shown to be false from the history of certain philosophers. For who is there that would not rank among the most abandoned of men the individual who somehow submitted to yield himself to his master when he placed him in a brothel that he might allow himself to be polluted by any one who liked? And yet such a circumstance is related of Phaedo, and who will not agree that he who burst, accompanied with a flute player and a party of revelers, his profligate associates, into the school of the venerable Xenocrates to insult a man who was the admiration of his friends, was not one of the greatest miscreants among mankind. Yet notwithstanding this, reason was powerful enough to effect their conversion and to enable them to make some progress in philosophy that the one was deemed worthy by plato to recount the discourse of socrates on immortality and to record his firmness in prison when he evinced his contempt of the hemlock and with all fearlessness and tranquillity of mind treated of subjects so numerous and important that it is difficult even for those to follow them who are giving their utmost attention and who are disturbed by no distraction, while Pullman, on the other hand, who from a profligate became a man of most temperate life, was successor in the school of Xenocrates, so celebrated for his venerable character. Celsus, then, does not speak the truth when he says, quote, that sinners by nature and habit cannot be completely reformed, even by chastisement, end quote. That philosophical discourses, however, distinguished by orderly arrangement and elegant expression, should produce such results in the case of those individuals just enumerated and upon others who have led wicked lives is not at all to be wondered at. 
but when we consider that those discourses which celsus terms quote, vulgar end quote, are filled with power as if they were spells and see that they at once convert multitudes from a life of licentiousness to one of extreme regularity and from a life of wickedness to a better and from a state of cowardice or unmanliness to one of such high-toned courage as to lead men to despise even death through the piety which shows itself within them why should we not justly admire the power which they contain for the words of those who at the first assumed the office of christian ambassadors and who gave their labors to rear up the churches of god nay their preaching also were accompanied with a persuasive power though not like that found among those who profess the philosophy of plato or of any other merely human philosopher which possesses no other qualities than those of human nature but the demonstration which followed the words of the apostles of jesus was given from god and was accredited by the spirit and by power and therefore their word ran swiftly and speedily or rather the word of god through their instrumentality transformed numbers of persons who had been sinners both by nature and habit whom no one could have reformed by punishment but who were changed by the word which moulded and transformed them according to its pleasure celsus continues in his usual manner asserting that quote, to change nature entirely is exceedingly difficult end quote. we however who know of only one nature in every rational soul and who maintain that none has been created evil by the author of all things but that many have become wicked through education and perverse example and surrounding influences so that wickedness has been naturalized in some individuals are persuaded that for the word of god to change a nature in which evil has been naturalized is not only not impossible but is even a work of no very great difficulty if a man only believe that he must entrust himself to the god of all things and do everything with a view to please him with whom quote, both good and bad are not in the same honour nor do the idle man and he who has laboured much perish alike end quote. but even if it be exceedingly difficult to effect a change in some persons the cause must be held to lie in their own will which is reluctant to accept the belief that the god over all things is a just judge of all the deeds done during life for deliberate choice and practice avail much towards the accomplishment of things which appear to be very difficult and to speak hyperbolically almost impossible has the nature of man when desiring to walk along a rope extended in the air through the middle of the theatre and to carry at the same time numerous and heavy weights being able by practice and attention to accomplish such a feat but when desiring to live in conformity with the practice of virtue does it find it impossible to do so although formerly it may have been exceedingly wicked see whether he who holds such views does not bring a charge against the nature of the creator of the rational animal rather than against the creature if he has formed the nature of man with powers for the attainment of things of such difficulty and of no utility whatever but has rendered it incapable of securing 
its own blessedness. But these remarks may suffice as an answer to the assertion that, quote, entirely to change of nature is exceedingly difficult, end quote. He alleges in the next place that, quote, they who are without sin are partakers of a better life, end quote, not making it clear what he means by, quote, those who are without sin, end quote, whether those who are so from the beginning of their lives or those who become so by a transformation. Of those who were so from the beginning of their lives, there cannot possibly be any, while those who are so after a transformation of heart are found to be few in number, being those who have become so after giving in their allegiance to the saving word. And they were not such when they gave in their allegiance. For, apart from the aid of the word, and that too the word of perfection, it is impossible for a man to become free from sin. In the next place, he objects to the statement, as if it were maintained by us, that, quote, God will be able to do all things, end quote. Not seeing even here how these words are meant, and what, quote, the all things, End quote, are which are included in it, and how it is said that God quote, will be able. End quote. But on these matters, it is not necessary now to speak, for although he might, with a show of reason, have opposed this proposition, he has not done so. Perhaps he did not understand the arguments which might be plausibly used against it, or if he did, he saw the answers that might be returned. Now, in our judgment, God can do everything which it is possible for him to do without ceasing to be God, and good, and wise. But Celsus asserts, not comprehending the meaning of the expression, quote, God can do all things, that he will not desire to do anything wicked, end quote, admitting that he has the power, but not the will, to commit evil. We, on the contrary, maintain that as that which by nature possesses the property of sweetening other things through its own inherent sweetness cannot produce bitterness contrary to its own particular nature, nor that whose nature it is to produce light through its being light can cause darkness, so neither is God able to commit wickedness, for the power of doing evil is contrary to his deity and his omnipotence. Whereas, if any one among existing things is able to commit wickedness from being inclined to wickedness by nature, it does so from not having in its nature the ability not to do evil. End of chapters 61 through 70 of Against Celsus, book 3 by Origen. Read by David Ronald.